Psalm number 40. Last week we looked at the title out of the mire and into the choir. We're going to look at it again this morning. Um, I, I could have said that the Lord has saved us from the guttermost. And as Hebrews 7 and 25 says, he saves us to the uttermost. Uh, from the guttermost to the uttermost. And many of us have a testimony like that. Uh, including myself, where he took us from the mire, saved us from the mire, from the guttermost. Uh, many were, grew up as in a Christian home, and um, maybe you think, well, I wasn't saved from the gutter. Listen, everyone's a sinner. Everyone was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And so we were all in the gutter of sin. But also, as we said last week, in our life, in our life as believers, we end up in the gutter sometimes, don't we? We end up in the, in the, the, the pit. And it's a horrible pit, stuck fast in Mary Clay, which holds us down, keeps us back, which depresses us, which, whether it's spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever it may be, we can be in a pit that really gets to us. You know, and fear can happen and all a manner of emotions can come to us and we don't know how we'll ever get out of it because we're hopeless and helpless unless God moves and comes to rescue us. Psalm 40 and verse 1, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the merry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you're here as we've gathered and sang praises to worship you and your Son. We thank you your Spirit is in our midst to speak to us, to take your word, and to bring it home to every heart. Father, will you speak to our hearts severally, individually, and collectively, as a church, as a person, as a people, Lord, as you see fit and deem it fit to do so, because, Lord, as our faces differ, so do our needs, and, Lord, you know each and every one of them. So bless your people. Bless all the children now that are down in children's church. Bless the babies that are down in creche and all the leaders that are there with them and the teachers. And, Lord, may they receive their portion. Lord, for those who can't be with us this morning, whether away or ill, but Lord, would you give them their portion also. And those who are watching now, live, or watch later, Lord, we pray, Lord, that this would be a blessing to them and even an instruction or whatever, Lord, you seem fit to do. So, Father, we pray and we ask in Jesus' name that you would now speak to our hearts. For his glory we pray and ask it. Amen. Just a little brief insight the last week, if you weren't here. First of all, we see the focused soul. The focused soul, the soul that is fixed on the Lord. The, the man and the woman who's fixed on him. Knowing that unless God intervenes, gets involved, interferes, 
Unless he does, then you're stuck fast and you can't get out. But you're focused on the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. Notice uh, David said. And I love verse 1. It says, and he inclined unto me. Didn't touch on this last week, but let me just touch on it for a second. It gives the idea, he came down to me to listen. Sometimes in our prayers, sometimes in our uh, our private life, we, we, we wonder, Lord, where are you? Because we pray, and it seems as though the heavens are as brass. But God's ear is not heavy that it cannot hear, nor his arm is not shortened that it cannot save. And it gives the idea to incline, to come right down. And every time you pray, prayer is never wasted time when you pray. God always hears. Sometimes he doesn't answer the way we want it. But he always answers. Sometimes he says no when we want it to be yes. Sometimes he says later when we want it to be now. But he always hears. He always listens. And I love what David says. He inclined. He came down to hear little old me. Can you imagine that? You see, David was loved by the Lord. And so the Lord had his eye on David way before the foundation of the world. He had his eye on this one. When David was in the field and the brothers were all uh, lined up before Samuel. And Jesse the father brings them along. And there was uh, the anointing oil in the hand of Samuel to anoint the chosen one of the Lord. And all the sons passed by and the word was not this, not this, not this. And then he says, is there any others? He says, well, David's in the field. Sure, who's David? Who is he? He's the youngest. He's a nobody. He's a nothing, really. We put him out there to keep uh, watch over the flock. But God was training David when he was slaying the bear, training David when he slew the lamb, or sorry, the lion uh, that stole the lamb and tried to kill the lamb. And look, he's a nobody. Samuel says, call him, and he comes, and the Lord said, this is him. Anoint him with oil. And the thing about this is, is David now has been through so much. And imagine it being little old me. He inclined unto me. Me in a pit, a horrible pit full of Marie Clay. Remember, some of these were water cisterns and they were undergoing dugouts like a pear shape that would hold a lot of water coming up to the top where they could easily lift the water out. And there was mire and sediment and it gives the idea of the dregs of something at the bottom and they would stick fast someone who would fall into it. And David, imagine him listening to me. Do you ever think like that? Why would God listen to me? Nobody says, when I consider thy heavens and the works of thy fingers and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou thinkest upon him? Who are we, Lord, that you, the great God of the heavens and the earth, the creator, the maker, the keeper, the sustainer of all things, who upholds all things by the word of his power, who are you that you would think of me, look to me, listen to me, and incline and come down to me? Who am I that you, this great God, would do that? See, that's grace, and that's the mercy of your heavenly Father. You see, he loved David. And David went through things. And because you go through things, away with this thought that people uh, would maybe put on others that, well, if you're going through things in life and you're a believer, you shouldn't be going through things in life because you're a believer. Maybe God doesn't love you. Away with that. 
When you become a believer, you enter the fight. You enter the battle. And you are a target. And you come through things. You find yourselves in different sorts of pits and mires, stuck fast, and sometimes we feel like we're without hope or help. Emotionally, it drains us. Physically, it weakens us. Spiritually, it brings us to a place where we become almost as if we're faithless because we're so focused in on the carnality and the impossibility of where we are at that moment in time. And who am I that this great God would think of me with all the people that's on the earth? Why would the Lord even think about me? Why would he listen to me? Why would he come to me? Why would he hear and answer my prayer? Why would he want to do me good? Is he fell out with me? Does he not love me because of what I'm in? Where I've found myself? The trial I've been through? And where I am at the minute? He loves you. You need to get rid of all of that thinking. Your father loves you. Your heavenly father loves you. He thinks about you. Look what David says in verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And that's fantastic, isn't it? To think that this God, who is is so mighty and powerful, he is the Almighty, and yet he does all of these works. That's amazing. But it's the next part for me. For me. It's the next part for me. That really hits home. And thy thoughts which are to us word. See if God was the God of great big miracles. And all these things. And signs and wonders. And if that's everything. He's great to do that. And he still does those things. I believe it. But when I'm in my horrible pit. And when I'm stuck fast in the miry clay. And I'm at my lowest, I'm at my weakest, my most emotionally vulnerable time. It's not the great big signs and wonders and massive miracles that I need there and then. He knows what I need. He thinks about me and he comes to me. Fellowships with me. Speaks to me. Because he loves me, David says. Because he loves you, brother. And he loves you, sister. He says, And thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, notice they are more than can be numbered. And God thinks of you even when you're not thinking about him. God thinks of you His mind is for you and toward you even when you're in an unconscious state of sleep. When you're in your waking hours and your working days and your mind is on the focused task at hand and you're far away from him, still he thinks about you. Still he looks upon you. And his thoughts and his love to you are more than can be numbered. You could never gather them all together. Yes, we may count our blessings and name them one by one, but we would never be at the end of it when we truly sit down to work them out 
and to count them. In fact, we forget about them. And all we see is the heartache and the hurt and the worry and the stress and the fear and the anxiety and the depression and the inabilities and the impossibilities and the troubles and the trials of that moment. That's all we see. David here is saying, you know, you've taken me up also out of a horrible pit. But he's saying, I've waited and I've prayed about this. You've came to me and you've inclined to me. You've heard my cry and you took me up out of the horrible pit. The focused soul tries as much as possible to keep their eyes upon the Lord. The focused soul. I think of when I think, and we looked at that, we can't, we, we can't go into it uh, any more this morning, but when I think of this, uh, the focus soul, I think of the old hymn, Stayed Upon Jehovah. Hearts are truly blessed, finding as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Because when we think of how we read last week that our minds are stayed in him, we are in perfect peace. That's hard to do because hurt and trouble and disappointment and disillusionment and all of those things that have come, those who have said against you, those who have been against you, those who have hurt you, that's all there. Alice and I were speaking about it just yesterday, actually, afternoon. About sometimes you go to pray and there's this one and there's that one and there's this thing and there's that thing and and there's another thing. And sometimes we can't pray in devotional worship because we have so much that stands before us when we bow to prayer. And it's like trying to move everything out of the road and we even pray for it and it becomes like a shopping list. And as I said to Alison, I believe sometimes I just bore God. I bore him. I said, I'm sick of boring him. I want prayers and worship to be fresh like the manna every day. Where it's him and me, where I can worship him for who he is, not only for what he gives, but for who he is and what he's done for me around the table this morning at Calvary. We remember him. Anyhow, the focus soul looks to him. Secondly, so the focus soul I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Secondly, the fearful soul, where, where he says, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit and from the merry clay. In other words, here the, the, the heart of David is, I will never get out of this situation. This is never going to end. This season will never pass. This day I'll never get through it. And our, our anxiousness thinks to tomorrow, our anxiousness thinks to the next day, the next week, and our anxiousness goes away ahead of us. And listen, we can all do it in our minds. It's like we've taken our mind out and cast it like a fishing rod, just cast the hook, and it's away, oh, days and weeks and months away. What if, what if, what if, boy, but this will happen. My life will turn out like this if this isn't fixed and if this doesn't happen. This is how my life will be. This is what will happen to me or my family or whatever, my loved one. And listen, brothers and sisters, when our mind runs like that, you're still here today, but your mind's there. Your mind's there. And for a split second, 
you hear yourself saying, Lord, Lord, help me. For a split second, then suddenly you're away, a month away again. Your, 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 your mind's away too far ahead. Jesus says, take no thought for tomorrow. What you shall eat and what you shall drink, neither for what you shall put on. And he means take no anxious thought. Stop being anxious about tomorrow. Listen, it happens to me. That's how I know. It happens to me. Tomorrow will take thought of the, the things of itself. And the heart of this is that David's saying, he brought me up also. Would you say he brought me up also? Would you say it loud? Do you see how positive it is? He brought me up. He came to me. He came to where I was. When I couldn't rescue myself, when I couldn't help myself, when I couldn't get out of it myself, he came and inclined. And listen, he brought me up also. By the way, the idea here for he brought me up also, I mentioned it after this, when we were singing just at the end last week. The idea of it is is that he actually gets down into the pit with you. In order to take you out. He doesn't shout, come on, do your best. He doesn't look into the pit or, or the dungeon sometimes in scripture it's called. And he says, come on, now try your hardest. Come on, see how you can do. He comes right down into it with you and he says, come on. Right down to where you were. Sometimes we wonder, are you near me, Lord? Are you near me? This horrible pit is a, a noisy pit, it means. And I don't want to dwell on it for you. You can watch, you, you can watch if you will, and if you wish, uh, you can watch it online. But this, a lot of the things I've said this morning weren't said last week. I'm just going as the Spirit leads me on it again. But you can, you can look at it uh, uh, last week if you want online. And then we have, there was the focused soul. There's the fearful soul. And then there's the founded soul. The founded soul. Set my feet upon a rock. Now here's the thing this morning where you are. Are your feet stuck fast, maybe to the knees, to the hips, or to the, the middle, or, or to the, the neck? Are you stuck fast in the Mary clay? Or is your feet on the rock? Set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Put a new song in my mouth. Notice from the horrible pit and from the Mary clay. Out of the mar, put a new song in my mouth into the choir. Out of the mar and into the choir. Just one thing I want to look at, if you'll turn with me to Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, please. I just 
jotted this down before I came out. I was reading over it this morning. Philippians 1, please, verse 19. Listen to what Paul says. For I know that this shall turn to, to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul has come to a place where he's saying, Lord, whatever thou wilt. But notice what he says in verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. Notice, on the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I see the, the term there, the supply. S-U-P-P-L-Y. We know what it means to be supplied. To be supplied might be and with food and work or whatever it may be. We know what it means to be supplied. Something comes from the suppliers and so on. And I'm not going to try and remember or tell you the big long Greek word for it because it's a tongue twister. But here's what it means. You ready? Here's the idea, the picture of it. Yes, the supply. It gives the idea on behalf of the choir. C-E-H-O-I-R, choir, as you gather to sing. So the idea of this comes, yes, to supply, but the, 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 the root behind it means on behalf of the choir. We're out of the mire and we're into the choir. And the idea of this is, is that in uh, Greek culture, they used to have choirs to sing in, like uh, amphitheaters and things like that. And so they gathered up those who would want them to be in the choir and it cost a lot of time and effort. And then they used to take it out, believe it or not, on tour. And they would have went around Greece or wherever they would have went, across the islands of Greece. And there they had night after night, just like you have someone going on tour today. And they had these great concert tours. The problem was many of them were really poor and they couldn't afford it. And being really poor, if someone didn't come and supply the finances, supply what they needed to go, then everything was just up in the air. Paul takes this thought, and Paul says in Philippians 1 and verse 19, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. Notice, on the supply... Of the spirit of Jesus Christ. In other words, they were looking for someone to help the choir get up and running and on the road and meet the need. And what happened was a, a benefactor, one of the richest people maybe in Greece would come along and they will say, I will fund your choir. I will fund your trip. I will fund the evenings. I will fund everything. I will meet every single need. And they could go out knowing 
we have no worries because we have this great benefactor behind us. Paul takes this and he says, see the great benefactor on behalf of the choir? Well, this great benefactor on behalf of the choir, he says, has come through the spirit of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's a greater benefactor than anyone you'll ever come across. And the eternal spirit is eternally our supplier. We're out of the mire when we're saved. We're out of the mire many times through our life by his grace and through the blood. And we're in the choir. What does the choir do? We gather together to sing praises unto him. That's why you need to be here this morning. To hear these things. To gather around the table. To remember him. To hear the word of God. That's why you need to come tonight to hear again. To gather as the choir. Sing praises and worship unto him. He supplies your every need. Out of the mire and into the choir. So we have the founded soul. That founded soul is a forgiven soul. And then in verse 4 we have a fellowshipping soul. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. So David's thinking, I waited for him. I was in the horrible pit in the Mary Clay, stuck fast without hope or help. He came right down to where I was. He entered into my hurt. He entered into my depression. He entered right into my place where I was. I couldn't go to where he was, but he came to me. And now he's saying he's he's dug me out, lifted me up, set my feet on a rock, and he's established my goings. Come on. It means he, he set me on the right path, on the right direction, and there he's told me to walk therein. And the thing about this is, brothers and sisters, is when David is writing this, by the time he gets to verse 4, he's erupting in praise. He's erupting in praise. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust. Notice the heart of him in verses 1 and 2 into 3. And then the heart of him in verse 4. He's so down. He remembers the time that's really hurt him and scarred him. And if you remember last week, I told you about scars. Scars are okay. Because scars tell you that you've fought and you've won. You're still here. Open wounds are different. Scars are okay because they tell you that you're an overcomer, that you're victorious in Christ. Scars let you know and they teach you of that which you have been through and the pit from which you have been in and where he has dug you from. And so when it comes to the next trial, the next time, the next hardship, you can look back, you can look at your scars and you can say, Lord, you've done it before, you can do it again. He's done it before. You can do it again. Psalm 56, please. Psalm 56. 
I've taught you this before, but I just want to lift out the opening title of Psalm 56. To the chief musician upon Jonah, Milam, Nietzsche, Kim, Mitch, Tom of David, when the Philistines took him in Gath. This is a time that has been really hard for David, where the Philistines had taken him. He feared for his life. He's before uh, King Achish, and there they bring him before King Achish. Here's David before him, and he spits down his beard, pretends he's mad, claws at the door, and Achish more or less sends him packing. Is this the one they sing about in Israel? You have to ask yourself, brother, because we can look at David and say, what a way to find yourself. Well, here's the thing. There's many of us. There's many people in church, and they go the same way because they, one minute they're fighting the wars of the Lord, and the next minute they're running, letting spittle run down their beard. They're afraid of everyone and everything and anything. You only have to look at what's happened over the last couple of years. They're afraid. And David is writing this psalm, remembering this time. To the chief musician upon Jolam, pardon me, to the chief musician upon Jonah, Elam, Rechakim, a Mitzham of David. And this means to the dumb dove afar off. And the Mitzham is, it gives the idea of an engraving, to engrave something in metal. Where it can't be washed away, it can't be rubbed away, it's imprinted in the heart. If you get a trophy and you engrave the metal of, of what it is. I've, I've, I've a few trophies at home from my younger days and uh, it's still got the date on it and where I was on it and what I won on it and all this sort of stuff. I've still, they're in a suitcase in the roof space somewhere but nevertheless I've got them. And I can look up and go, oh yeah, I remember that. Metals were the same. And this gives the idea, David says, this was such a time for me. This was such a, a time where I feared for my life, where I feared for what was going to happen. Uh, and I, I let my testimony down. I didn't wait as the one loved by God, anointed by Samuel with the horn of oil. Twice. Instead, I fell to bits. Instead, I fell to bits. Now, if you have been in a trial, testing time of heartbreak and heartache and trouble, and you've fallen to bits, brother or sister, I am not condemning you because I have done it myself. Fallen to bits. But it engraved something in me. It's like it takes your spirit out and it engraves your heart. And it's like the scar. It engraves your fiery spirit, your soul, deep within you. And you can't rub it off and you can't wash it away. But it's not lying open because you're, you've allowed it to heal. But it's there and it'll never go away. But you can remember that time, that season, that place. So David is saying, this is what it done to me before a chest. And it's engraved my heart 
so much that I'll never be able to forget it, but I can learn from it and use it for God's glory. I can use it for God's glory. Notice this. In Isaiah chapter 38, Isaiah chapter 38, it says, Behold for peace, I had great bitterness. You know, we just run past those things, don't we? Behold for peace, I had great bitterness. What else? Oh, yes, yes, all right, okay. And we write down the rest of the chapter through the rest of the book. Let's just, let's put the brakes on for a moment this morning. Just for a moment. And let's pause. This is a person. This is a soul. This is a heart. This is a man. This is a people of Israel. But speaking from the heart of God, my peace, it's great when you're at peace, isn't it? It's great when you're at peace and there's nothing to disrupt your peace. You're calm. Your mind isn't racing. Your heart isn't beating and your stomach hasn't got the knots in it and the anxieties in your spirit and your your, your very heart is beating out your chest sometimes. <sighs> you're having to cough a bit to slow it down. Shaking with nerves. Dark cloud, black dog of depression and sadness. It's great when that isn't there. It's fantastic. See, that's the horrible pit. That's your Mary Clay. But it's great when it's not there and when you're not in that position. Behold for peace. I had bitterness. Oh, that which came upon me, that what entered into my soul, into my heart. And there's people who haven't tasted of a lot in life. They've been well protected in the sense where maybe they haven't lost loved ones before or a close loved one before. Or maybe they haven't been through a bad illness before. They haven't heard bad news before. And so, yeah, my peace is all right. I'm doing fine. Bad doctor's report before, you know. But when we take ourselves from, yeah, I'm okay, Jack, type of thing, I'm fine, and we step into that person, just for a moment, it's hard for us to empathize if we haven't been there, but just for a moment, because you can see, yeah, I know how you feel. I've been there. I've walked in your moccasins. I've, I've tasted what you've tasted. That would you have had. And, and yes, I have lost and I have been hurt and I have uh, suffered these things. And these things have come to my door. But there are those who stand here because they don't understand. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that. But, but sometimes the Lord brings you to a place where he disrupts your peace. He disrupts your peace that you might be able to pause for a moment and get the grips with yourself that you might be able to enter in to say, well, I'm stronger at the moment, so I can help you out with this, or I can come alongside you in prayer and so forth. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. Notice this, but, and this is beautiful. Please try to catch this this morning, especially if you are going through things. Listen, I... I preach from my, I, I write everything down, but you know me, I don't preach everything I write. 
I preach as the Lord leads me through these things as I'm going. And I take from my own well, not only when I'm writing or when I'm studying it. I do read others, obviously, uh, that's how we study. But, but I, I take from my own well, from my own experience and how God has worked and what things have happened and where the enemies attacked and, and the state of my own being. So I'm not standing here aloof from everyone. I'm not standing here saying, I can do all this very easily and you are all very bad at it. You are no good at it. I'm right with you. I'm among you. I'm beside you. I'm putting my arm around you. I'm holding your hand. But I'm trying to feed you. I'm trying to reach out and touch, as it were, the inner man and the inner woman. To strengthen you, to bless you, to encourage you, to help you. From in here to in there. Through the word and the spirit of God that he would lead us in that way. Notice what... It says, for behold, for behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But notice this. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. I want to read it again. I want you to read it. And I want us to say it because I want us to hear it. I want us to receive it. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Can we, it's up on the screen. Can we read that? Will you read it all out loud? Let's read it. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. And again it means thy love. You ready? This is what a Hebrew context it means. It means thy love has gone down into the pit of corruption. And you have drawn me out. You know why? Because you loved my soul. He came to this earth, didn't he? From heaven to earth. He died on the cross. We heard it this morning around the table. Shed his precious blood. When we couldn't come to where he was. He came to me. Why? Because Lord thou hast loved my soul. He loves my soul. Imagine that. David says you inclined unto me. What is man then he says. That thou art mindful of him. The son of man. That thou thinkest upon him. And you are the ones he loves. He came to you. And he came to me when we couldn't go to him. He came to me. He came to me when I couldn't come to where he was. He came to me, that's why he died on Calvary. When I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. 
Who knows that? Who knows that? Let's see your hands. Let's stand and we'll sing it for a minute, will we? I've too much material. I'd keep you for a month. Let's stand, shall we?